Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy. He is the chairman of the Cato Institute, also a constitutional scholar. We'll continue our conversation about the conflating of the Constitution uh, with uh, talking specifically about uh, national security and our civil liberties. Gary Ingold will join us. He is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. They have a program going right now to save, raise $100,000. Terrific organization. I want to support them a little bit by getting the news out. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in sports, sports architecture and the author of Cyber Warfare, Targeting America, Our Infrastructure, and Our Future. Terrific read. It's his seventh book. We'll look forward to our discussing that with Larry. It is April the 29th, and on this day in 1992 in Los Angeles, California, four Los Angeles police officers that have been caught beating an unarmed American uh, African-American motorist in an amateur video were acquitted of any wrongdoing in the arrest. Hours after the verdicts were announced, outrage and protest turned into violence in the Los Angeles riots, and they began on this day. Protesters in south-central Los Angeles blocked freeway traffic and beat motorists, wrecked and looted numerous downtown stores and buildings, and set more than 100 fires. Rioting and violence continued during the next 24 hours, and the Korean shop owners in African-American neighborhoods defended their businesses with rifles. On May the 1st, President George Bush announced military troops and riot-trained federal officers to Los Angeles and by the end of the day, the city was under control. The three days of disorder killed more than 60 people, injured more than 2,000, led to 7,000 arrests, and caused nearly a billion dollars in property damage, including the burning of more than 3,000 buildings. On August the 4th, Kuhn and Powell, those are the two officers that were indicted, were sentenced to two and a half years in prison. King died in 2012 of an accidental drowning. It wasn't his last incident either with the police. Again, he was, uh, <laughs> this is just, can you imagine the violence that was uh, ero that erupted as a result of this event? All happening on this day in, uh, what year was it? In 1992. Cuyahoga County Commissioners voted 3-2 to two Yesterday, to reopen the county beaches, including parking lots and restrooms, starting at sunrise uh, tomorrow, the Collier County Commission voted unanimously to also reopen the county's hard courts and playing fields and parks, so long as people follow the Center for Disease Control's social distancing guidelines. Collier County has 568 confirmed cases and 16 deaths. That's one more than yesterday, according to the Florida Department of Health. In the White House, uh, meeting with President Donald Trump, our governor, Ron DeSantis, said he will unveil his plan for reopening Florida in a way that's measured, thoughtful, and data-driven in a data-driven way. He's, the stay-at-home order expires on May the 1st, and that's on Friday, and reopening Florida task force is submitting recommendations to the governor, which he said he'll use to moving the state into the White House outlined phase one. Coronavirus cases climbed to 32,846 in Florida, an increase of, uh, increase of 708 patients from the day before. The health department also reported an additional 83 deaths, bringing the state's total up to 1,171. 83 deaths actually exceeds the uh, record of 72 deaths on April the 14th. So uh, he did have a nice conversation with, the, with uh, President Trump. He's uh, emphasizing the importance of safety. And uh, I would include uh, the economy as an issue to cons uh, for concern in safety when it comes to safety. Uh, the Florida Policy Institute said that the state's $93.2 billion budget for the coming year is facing massive shortfalls that a federal and aid package will not cover. 
The expect, uh, state expects to draw $4.6 billion in coronavirus relief from the measure signed by Trump, but the amount of the aid and restrictions on how it can be spent will be threatening, threatening the host of state programs, including an approved teacher pay raise, affordable housing needs, and environmental spending. Uh, it's likely most of our sales tax revenue, which will make up 80% of Florida's general revenue, will have dried up for the year, said the a representative of the nonpartisan uh, program. What is the name of the organization? Well, it's a, it's a very reputable organization. He said these facts combined with a rainy day regarding one of the weakest in the nation to weather this coming recession all leave the Sunshine State in special economic peril, he said. Uh, concerning information. So it's not only uh, individuals, small businesses, but the state that's in economic peril as well. While the governor's thinking about this and his our safety needs, 14 states are home to more than 95 million people have already started reopening their economies. Alabama will reopen Thursday, following by uh, Ohio on Friday. All Missouri businesses and social events will be allowed to reopen from May 4th and Iowa open restaurants, malls, fitness centers, libraries, and retail stores at 50% capacity from May the 1st. Stay-at-home orders issued by governors across the U.S. and subsequent decisions to slowly reopen the state economies have turned into slightly or highly charged political issues. Minnesota, Mississippi, Colorado, Montana, Tennessee, Georgia, Oklahoma, Alaska, and South Carolina will or have already restarted their economies following weeks of mandatory lockdowns. Of course, we talked about Texas yesterday, opening businesses at 25% capacity. Now, here, some of the uh, draconian issues and measures continue. An owner of a Maryland Riverside restaurant could face steep fines and a year behind bars after 15 police officers allegedly showed up at his business, Lee's Landing Dock Bar in Port Deposit, over too many customers which violated the uh, social distancing orders, that according to uh, a reporter. Uh, the law, video uh, of the law enforcement officers telling, oh, well, just one more thing about this. He says, he claims that he was following all the issues. Now, can you imagine in Maryland trying to call a police officer for, let's say, uh, child abuse or whatever it might be? 15 of them were at the dock bar, Lee's dock bar in Port Deposit. Another issue, a video of a law enforcement officer telling a 93-year-old couple they can't sit in chairs on the beach in Oxnard, California. It's going viral on, on social media. Uh, the beaches are currently open, and the couple would be allowed to be there as long as they ditched the chairs and sat in the sand. Are you going to say that to a 93-year-old couple? Unbelievable. Draconian measures can take this too far. Stocks on Wall Street were sl trading slightly higher lifted by a string of upbeat quarterly reports in hopes of a pickup in activity at regional economies slowly reopen. Uh, U.S. consumer confidence tumbled, however, uh, to a six-year low in April as tough measures to curb the spread of the virus sharply disrupted economic activity, so confidence is down. That's not good when we reopen the economy. <clears throat> Other data on Tuesday showed the global pandemic was severely limiting the flow of goods between countries while ex exports from the United States collapsing and uh, imports from other nations continuing to decline, as expected, of course, with uh, what, what's happening with the, with the economy. So we're certainly in the midst of a recession. We've got to pull ourselves out quickly here. Uh, the global race to find a coronavirus vaccine is moving quickly. Pfizer, uh, the CEO, said on Tuesday that the company's COVID-19 vaccine could be ready for emergency distribution by this fall. Usually it takes a couple of years to make this happen. Uh, Johnson & Johnson earlier this month said it expected to, to start human testing on a coronavirus candidate as soon as September. Well, that's good news. Vaccine is a, a long, complex process, often lasting 10 to 15 years. Pfizer's already started the trials in Germany, and approval for U.S. testing is expected shortly. The pharmaceutical giant could start distributing the vaccine on an emergency basis in the fall. That's just great news. Uh, personally, I won't take the vaccine, but uh, I'm sure that it's, a, it's a, a consideration for many, many people. Uh, Representative Justin Amish the never-Trump libertarian-leaning congressman who quit the Republican Party earlier last year 
has decided to launch an exploratory committee for the Libertarian Party's presidential nomination after recently teasing a possible bid for the White House. And so this is such an interesting development. Uh, and it's uh, quite frankly, the question might be, if he actually runs on the Libertarian ticket, who would it hurt? Would it hurt uh, Joe Biden or would it hurt President Trump? Well, I, certainly never Trumpers would go over to Justin Amish. There's no question about that. What would happen to Bernie supporters? Now, Justin Amish is a libertarian and certainly believes in small government. Bernie Sanders was uh, calling for Medicare for all and all the big government programs. So they're diametrically opposed in terms of their uh, ideological outlook and political outlook and how things should work. But uh, people are so turned off by Joe Biden and what happened with uh, with uh, Bernie and the way he abandoned them. I'm sure they're seeing that, that uh, their consideration is, well, do we go to Dom Donald Trump or do we vote for Justin Amish? It's an interesting question, and it could have an impact on the uh, on the election. I hope he runs. I think it's a great destination for Bernie supporters, quite frankly. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Great season planned for uh, coming up in the fall. Also, great education programs this summer if we get to uh, allow, loosen up the requirements for distancing and all that. But I uh, hope you'll visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Right now, we have with us Bob Levy. He is the uh, chairman of the Cato Institute, also a constitutional scholar. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. 
Pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. So uh, we've been talking about the, uh, raising the question, has the Supreme Court subverted the Constitution? And uh, we'll be talking about modern constitutional law and the cases that have been decided since the New Deal. I want to pick up where we left off last week with national security and civil liberties. And the question I'd like to ask at this point is, we've heard a lot about drones and targeted assassinations. What are the rules if, they ha- if there are any? Well, the Justice Department uh, put out a white paper saying that uh, the president was authorized to kill any American, even a citizen, uh, if an informed high-level official decides that that person that to be assassinated is a senior operational leader of uh, a terrorist, al-Qaeda or ISIS, uh, and presents an imminent threat of violent attack, uh, providing that the other governments, wherever this person might be, are either unable or unwilling uh, to act. So the problem with that mm-hmm. is that we don't know which U.S. officials can make that determination. We don't know which leaders uh, of these so-called terrorist groups can be assassinated. We don't know what the word imminent attack means. And according to this Justice Department paper, uh, the president doesn't have to consult Congress or the courts or even tell the public uh, before or even after uh, the killings occur. So, you know, one question is, what's the Constitution say about all of this? Mm-hmm. And the Fifth Amendment uh, ensures that U.S. persons can't be denied due process. Uh, the process that's due is certainly the highest when the person is a citizen. Right. That's not to say that some citizens can be killed without due process. For example, if there's a U.S. citizen who threatening to kill hostages, obviously that person, even if he's a citizen, can be stopped by law enforcement authorities. And in a, any, any citizen who serves in a foreign army that's at war with the United States is plainly a legitimate target. Do you remember this Iranian general that we assassinated in January, mm-hmm. um, Qasem Soleimani? Um, he was uh, assassinated by a drone. So he was not a U.S. citizen. So he wasn't constitutionally protected. That issue was a pure policy question, whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, and not a constitutional uh, question. Yeah, you know, Bob, what scares me about what you just said, this white paper, uh, (laughs) that somebody can decide, that somebody can be taken out if they think it's justified because of the threat. I mean, couldn't that be used for political purposes? That's so draconian. It just really, I think, violates our civil liberties. Absolutely, and that's why there was a great deal of concern about it, particularly uh, after this assassination of uh, some time ago of this uh, citizen, yeah. uh, An- Anwar Amalaki. Yeah, so uh, how about the assassination of Anwar Amalaki? He allegedly was part of al-Qaeda, but he was also a U- U.S. citizen, wasn't he? Yeah, and in my opinion, the, the, his killing was unlawful. Uh, nobody identified a threat from him. That was imminent, mm-hmm. and that's what the white paper said. Uh, he wasn't directly involved in 9-11. Uh, even if he was an al-Qaeda or an ISIS uh, agent, that's not the same as a soldier who's engaged in combat. So an assassination might be lawful if uh, Iraqi was uh, actively fighting on a battlefield, but that doesn't mean it's lawful when he's plotting some attack from Yemen and there are no hostilities uh, in process. So, but to be clear, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that he couldn't or shouldn't have been assassinated. But he was a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. And when citizens are targeted, there's more process due. That doesn't mean we have to have a trial before federal court. But maybe the equivalent of something like an assassination warrant that requires at least uh, somebody outside the executive branch uh, with relevant uh, expertise to certify that there's sufficient cause to do what we're planning to do. Yeah. Well, we're kind of moving towards the uh, uh, big brother and the grand, uh, the, the uh, state that's going to uh, look over all of us, especially with 5G coming down the road. So sections of the Patriot Act that have authorized NSA surveillance expired and were replaced by the USA Freedom Act. What was the fight about? Well, you remember Ed Snow- Edward Snowden, um, he uh, focused their attention on these collection of uh, these non-content phone records. That is, the government was collecting dates, times, and phone numbers called uh, the so-called metadata 
mm-hmm. but not monitoring the actual content of the calls. But they were doing that on virtually every American, which was under the business records provision of the Patriot Act. So I think no matter what you think about Snowden, he did spark a uh, long overdue debate regarding the scope of the NSA's uh, surveillance. Mm-hmm. And among the things that we didn't know, uh, what was the full scope of that surveillance? What could be done with the data? Uh, what would have triggered a further look at actually the content of these calls? How long was the data to be retained? Who had access to it? What sorts of oversight procedures were in place? What were the remedies if there was abuse of this whole uh, process? So it was a pretty, I think, a pretty scary process. And of course, you know, we're embarked on another debate now about the extent to which we can trace contacts uh, as a means of stopping this pandemic. So surveillance is a a recurring issue that we have to address. Uh, Recurring, and it's not only by the government, but now by big tech as well. Absolutely. So what has the Supreme Court said about the NSA surveillance? About uh, 40 years ago, the court held in a case called Smith versus Maryland that you don't have a privacy right in this non-content data because the phone companies are gathering it, and, you, you know, nobody's forcing you to have a phone. So that was before, however, the NSA developed these sophisticated techniques that monitor just about everybody, everywhere, all the time. And the Smith case, um, that involved a one-time targeted request for data regarding an individual suspect in a criminal investigation. And by contrast, this NSA stuff is a, is a everyday, indiscriminate dump of data from people who aren't suspecting of, of any wrongdoing. Hmm. And, and the government does not cite a single instance in which this data actually stopped uh, an imminent attack. And there was a it was actually a very major report from an independent privacy and civil liberties oversight board. And the report stated, and this is, this is a quote from it, we have not identified a single instance involving a threat to the United States in which the program made a concrete difference in the outcome of a counter-terrorist investigation or directly contributed to the discovery of a previously unknown terrorist plot or disruption of a terrorist attack. Mm. That's a pretty damning incitement for this kind of power to be given uh, to the government. Absolutely. Bob Levy, again, the chairman of the Cato Institute. Uh, again, Bob, quickly, could you tell us about the Cato Institute? We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on private property, free markets, securing individual liberty, and limited government, and that's C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Bob, genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Bob. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Gary Ingold. He is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics, terrific organization. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Located in an historic building in the heart of Old Maples at Creighton Cove, Blue Provence offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. During the governor's stay-at-home notice, Blue Provence is offering pick-up curbside takeout options five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday. To place an order, just call 261-8239 Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. A 20% discount will be applied on all food orders during these unprecedented times. Compliment your order with amazing wines from the Blue Provence Retail Wine Store, offering amazing choice and value. Blue Provence Wine Store is open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m., and has one of the most eclectic and fun wine cellars, offering 10% off cases. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. 
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College. Right now we have with us Gary Ingold. As I mentioned before the break, he is the CEO of the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob, and good morning to everybody. Good morning to you, Gary. So uh, tell us about the Community Pregnancy Clinics. Sure. Community Pregnancy Clinics, uh, we've been around for 46 years, and uh, we are a life-affirming uh, organization that works with uh, uh, women who are in an unplanned or unwanted uh, pregnancy. Uh, all of our services are free. Uh, we treat these women with dignity and compassion and mercy, as we should all people. And when they enter the door and... Uh, allow them to be able to take advantage of our services, of our counseling, which are just great uh, nurses and uh, registered counselors that help uh, folks during these uh, crises. Uh, secondly, we have an ultrasound machine, which is, allows us to be able to allow the woman to go in and see her child, and hopefully in seeing that baby in the womb, they choose life for the baby. But uh, we do a lot more things uh, also with material services, helping them with clothes and diapers and uh, uh, recommending them if they have any kind of addictions and things of that nature for qualified referral services, and just a whole bunch of other things. We're there for them during their time, and our whole thing is to hope, hopefully make them uh, make that great decision to, to uh, have that baby and create a life. Absolutely, and of course you actually have some programs going in the college campuses as well, or near the college campuses, in order to provide education around you know, uh, how to make sure that you're protecting life and uh, making good decisions with regard to sexual practices as well, which I think is right. absolutely outstanding as well. Now, you have right. a, a giving challenge going on right now. There's about 20 hours left. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, this is, this is outstanding. We had a foundation uh, that is uh, matching the first $100 that one would give uh, to community pregnancy clinics. It's actually the last four hours. It ends today at noon. Um, and you can reach out to us at communityforlife.com, and you'll see Giving Challenge. It's called Giving Challenge, and you can just jump on that and uh, submit your, uh, your donation up to $100. Uh, you can only use your credit card once, so there are some rules around the game. But uh, right now we're at about uh, 60% of our goal, and uh, we've raised over uh, uh, close to $60,000 at this point. Wow. Our goal is $100,000. So. Uh, whatever you can do to help us there, it's great. But if you don't uh, get it on the uh, webpage uh, at communityforlife.com and hit Giving Challenge, you can call me personally. I had somebody call me last night at 1045 to, for making a do donation as I was going to bed. Wow. 239-450-5852. 239-450-5852. Yeah, highly recommend it. Lynn and I made a donation yesterday. We're just excited to be part of this entire process, and I encourage our listeners. I, I realize things are tight, and there's a lot of concern about the economy, but uh, I think this is such a worthwhile, and especially having a match up to $100, why not uh, take the half the pleasure of giving and supporting uh, the community pregnancy clinic. So I just point out it's community pregnancy, uh, commu uh, pre what is it? It's uh, okay, Community, the number four, life.com. Yeah. And when you go on there, you'll see that giving challenge and hit on that and you'll be able to enter and put your card through and 
and, and help us out. That would be tremendous, and God bless you all if you can do it. All right, Gary, I just genuinely appreciate your availability this morning and uh, bringing us up to date on what's going on. Again, Community for Life, the number four, communityforlife.org is the website. Jump on board. Hey, have some, join the challenge. Uh, Gary, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. And thanks for squeezing me in there, Bob. God bless you. God Bye bless now, you as well. Thank you so much, Gary. All right, coming up. We're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Cuyahoga County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House food pantry and grocery distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. A terrific read, off-topic for today's discussion, but I encourage you to go to any good book purveyor, you could find uh, Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So your latest column has to, uh, this is basically says, hey, it doesn't matter how it starts. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, I mean, that, that is the issue. It's not the starting point of a war. For example, I used a situation where it wasn't Pearl Harbor, for example, that was the most important thing. It was what followed it, which was World War II in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, in a like manner, I, I'm trying to point out that it has not been COVID-19 that has been the major issue that we're concerned with. Certainly, uh, in my estimation at least, and I think in the minds of many Americans, it has been our, <clears throat> our reaction to it. Uh, I then extend that, and of course, this is my own view. I extend it into, extend it into a conspiratorial type of uh, assessment, Bob, which says that the left has uh, harvested the implications of COVID-19. Uh, they've done everything they can to, to deepen its impact, particularly on the economy. Uh, they've resisted every attempt that we've, we've made to try to reopen the, co- the economy. I mean, including the uh, declaration that uh, opening the economy is, is racist, for example. Uh, I, I've heard of that offered recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a situation where we have an event, uh, COVID-19, uh, that is, is certainly a serious event, but that isn't what is the deep uh, extended implication for America. In organizational behavior, which I've taught for many years, we used to talk all the time about not turning an event into a condition. In other words, do not take a moment in time 
and extend it into being a permanent coloring of your situation. Uh, and so effectively, I think that's what we're doing right now with COVID-19. And I think that's what the progressive left is hoping for, that we take the implications of the impact of COVID-19 on our economy and turn it into a permanent condition uh, that, that permanently affects the nature. As Governor Newsom in, in California has already said, he hopes that this COVID-19 affects the very way we do business and the very way we govern. Uh, so I think that is the implication of it. I think there's a war being launched by the, uh, by the American left. It's not a declared war in that sense, but it's a war in a, in a full sense where they have unified as, a, as an ideology to try to damage the economy of the United States, which, in my estimation, Bob, is the United States itself. Well, I think, you know, there's so much proof of, of what you're suggesting here. Uh, just yesterday, Hillary Clinton uh, endorsed Joe Biden. She said, we never want to pass up a crisis in order to promote our ideals and our thoughts and, and how we how we want to proceed going forward. And and uh, we've heard that from so many others. The, in, the uh, bill, the stimulus bill, if you want to call it that, the $2 trillion expenditure to get our economy back on track included uh, unemployment uh, pay uh, compensation that uh, $600 a week exceeds <laughs> the compensation for we want people to go back to work, not sit at home and, and just reap unemployment benefits. So uh, there's a lot of evidence to su- to support what you're, what you're saying. Well, and that even gets extended into Ocasio-Cortez's comment that even if we open up the economy, workers should refuse to go back to work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's, there's absolutely no doubt in, in my mind, Bob, uh, when you look at a conspiratorial process that goes across the, the wide range of progressive sources, that's the political sources, the media sources, and so forth, uh, that we see that there's a resistance to opening up the economy. Um, the other day I heard a reporter uh, question whether Donald Trump should even run for the presidency since there's going to be more deaths from corona, uh, COVID-19 in, uh, in his presidency than there were deaths during the Vietnam era. Now, I mean, if you really knew the numbers, and I'm sure this reporter knew nothing about Vietnam, mm-hmm. um, I was in Vietnam in 68. In 1968, Bob, there were more deaths in America from the Hong Kong flu, mm-hmm. 100,000. Mm-hmm. I was probably safer being in Vietnam than I would have been in America in 1968-69. Uh, so the only point I'm making is that these, these flus are serious. They are, uh, they are things that have to be uh, points of concern. But what we are doing now is the most outrageous assault on the, uh, the most vibrant economic system. And economic systems, and I've made this point several times on your show, economic systems are not about money. They are about how a society satisfies the needs of the people in it. If we look right now, it's already been cited by, uh, by Tyson Foods that the, that the food supply is beginning to, uh, food chain is beginning to collapse. Smithfield Food Processing is closing their plants. It's reached the point now where I understand that President Trump yesterday signed an executive order requiring the food processing plants to reopen, and that's being uh, immediately resisted by, by the unions because of health implications for their employees. And, and I understand that. On the other hand, there are millions of people who are going to work every day, truck drivers and clerks and, and, and factory workers who are keeping American go- America going. So, yeah, I mean, there are risks involved with this, but these are not substantially more. We know that in New York City, even the most hard hit of the American areas with COVID-19, the death rate is under 1%. Mm-hmm. So this is not a disease with high levels of mortality. Uh, and so we've got to get the economy opened up because we know associated with a depressed economy, there are other sources of death, whether it's because of uh, of suicide or homicide, or even the neglect given to um, uh, uh, elective surgeries or elective testing procedures. That's but one example, Bob. Right. Uh, if we start to refuse the, uh, the early colonoscopy examination for young people, which is going on right now, we're going to fail to detect the early signs of cancer, which will save their lives in the long run. So by denying these elective surgeries and these elective testing procedures, we are creating deaths that will occur over the long run. We know that the higher level of, of, uh, of mortality and a lower life incident, or rate of, of life extension, uh, every society where the economies are, are at the low end is, is, is bad. So we have to get back to, the, uh, to a, a strong economy. 
for the well-being and the health of America, Bob. I couldn't agree more. Those two doctors that went viral talking to their emergency care doctors in California mentioned the fact that this is the first time in their lives they've ever seen healthy people quarantined. He says, usually you quarantine the sick, not the healthy. And that's exactly what we've done. If you think back to the uh, swine flu or SARS, and, uh, you know, the reaction, the president really didn't react at that time, President Obama, until there were 100,000 deaths. And the, the economy continued to move on. And quite frankly, that epidemic, maybe not quite as contagious, the, but the flu, but certainly no more, uh, certainly just as deadly, uh, we kept the economy going. This time, and, and the other point I want to make is this. People, the, the, the Democrat Party the, uh, and the mainstream media develop talking points. They work in concert, and you can see it time and time again. So for those that say there's no conspiracies and that they're, you're conspiracy theorists, yeah, there is a conspiracy. That's how they work. Well, I make the point on my blog that for those that reject conspiracy theories, they're rejecting the entire way our government works. Right. Uh, our entire government process through its entire history has been a result of, of conspiracies. Conspiracy is two or more people plotting for a particular end. The word plot has a sinister connotation. It doesn't necessarily have to have that. But right now, as you're pointing out, Bob, with the same wording being used to, uh, for example, to attack Donald Trump in terms of his uh, of his comments on using disinfectants and, and sunshine, which were all very based in science. And, of course, they've been warped into these monstrous non-things that he said. Uh, but we're looking at a, a, and the point I'm making, the one you made, I think, is the commonality of the, uh, of the statements and the persistence of this, uh, this almost organized approach to attack every issue in the same manner, Bob. Absolutely. So we need to be aware of this, certainly, and we had being to recognize, and to your point, it doesn't matter how it started. How this started was the coronavirus, whether it was accidental or uh, a, a slip-up in the lab in, in uh, Wuhan, whatever it might be, the fact of the matter is it is now being weaponized uh, and used by the left. Now, the, the fact that we have uh, medical professionals from the uh, CDC saying we need to distance ourselves, there could be a second wave, this won't be over for two years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just feeds the fire for the political needs of the left. Well, I mean, there's no doubt, and I think we can see that exemplified in California when Newsom originally uh, indicated that the uh, self-quarantining <clears throat> was there to protect the, uh, the peak from, from happening. Now, that has been... Uh, gone away with, and now he's talking about eliminating the entirety of the impact of COVID-19, which is impossible. Mm -hmm. If that is the standard that is used, then that is an impossible standard to, uh, to escape from. Uh, and I, I fault uh, Dr. Burks and I fault Dr. Fauci. They are both fully aware of the uh, economic, socio-implications of disease. They aren't just scientists in terms of uh, epidemiology. These are doctors that fully understand what causes death, and yet to the largest extent, they've ignored the full implication of the socioeconomic causes of death uh, that, a, that a receding or depressed economy would cause, Bob. Yeah, you're certainly correct about that. Well, I come back to something I've said on the show before, and I apologize to my listeners if you listen uh, to all the shows, but quite frankly, well, we need guidelines uh, to protect our health. We certainly need that from the federal government, state government, as well as our local governments. We need guidelines, but we can... We are uh, equipped with the information about our own personal health, about our well-being, about our, our immune systems, about our health conditions. We can make the best decisions for ourselves about what we can do and where we should do it. We can decide whether to go to a restaurant, whether we should self-quarantine, whatever it might be. The people can make their own decisions. We don't need the government central planning and making all these decisions. Well, there's no doubt. I mentioned to you that I had a little episode the other night. I was running a fever and some other, I had some other negative indications. And uh, so instead of self-quarantining and staying away from my wife and washing my hands for 30 days, uh, 30 times a day, I am self-quarantining, staying away from my wife and washing my hands 30 times a day. In other words, Bob, I, I am doing what I can, and I've always done what I can. I'm not uh, I'm not a stupid man. I don't want to uh, infect my wife or myself, obviously. Uh, and we're doing what we can. And I think that's the way most Americans are. They are not throwing all caution to the wind. And yet we are reasonable people when given the chance to be reasonable. And I think Americans, the ones that are protesting right now, are demanding the right to be reasonable, Bob. And I think that uh, we need to have uh, more reasonable spokespeople for the medical community 
coming forward and indicating the implications of economic, socio uh, uh, problems that will result if this economy collapses. You know, our Cuyahoga County Commissioners met yesterday, and they discussed opening the beaches. We're grateful they did it, but they did it on a three-to-two vote, and uh, one of the commissioners who voted against it said, you know what, we could have people coming over from Miami going to our beaches and infecting people. <laughs> That's just, you well, know. I, I think they don't want people coming from Miami under any circumstances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think that's a ruse. <laughs> but it just makes me laugh how somehow, some way, these people get into elected office, and we're grateful that some people are willing to do that, but somehow, some way, feel like they can start making decisions for all of us. I just think about the governor in uh, Michigan who said, you know, some people aren't paying attention, so they, they could end up getting hurt, so we need to protect them by having these draconian measures like you can't go can't, fishing. Can't buy seeds, Bob. <laughs> Cannot buy seeds in Michigan. No, you can't go out in that garden and plant your own, uh, your own tomatoes. That would be a bad, bad thing. <laughs> this reminds me of the intelligence of the Democrat congressman who, who once uh, uh, was lamenting the fact that if the population of Guam grew too large, that it would tilt into the ocean. Uh, that, that's a real position taken by a Democratic congressman fairly recently, Bob. So, I mean, there is no measurement for the intelligence of a, of a congressional candidate. It should be, perhaps, in some way, but it certainly isn't. And some of the greatest dullers in this world sit in the House of Representatives. And right now, I think it is a, a, a blessing to this country in many ways that the House under Nancy Pelosi has, has decided to not reconvene because they are being prevented, in, in her estimation, by the, by the, the guidance of the uh, position for the House. Uh, and I think they're not coming back into session. The Senate will come back in on May 4th. Uh, and I'm optimistic that we'll be able to get a, a, a lot of good, solid, originalist judges appointed during that time period. Yeah. Uh, but the House, I mean, I, they've documented, in my estimation, that their 435 members are essentially not even needed at this point, Bob. Um, yeah, quite frankly, would Pete, they say only essential workers can go back to Barrick. I think the only unessential people could be those elected officials in the, in the House of Representatives, quite frankly. Well, they've they documented that just by their, by their absence, and I don't, I don't feel there's any great loss to America during that period of time. So, you know, I don't want to become a flippant with the whole thing, but, it, but essentially we're looking at, uh, as, you, as you started to indicate, and I, I followed up on this, there's just a lot of foolishness going on that is just totally unnecessary. Uh, there's a lot of serious things being avoided. Uh, as I pointed out in my blog, in my estimation, a, a concerted conspiratorial war against the United States, at least against its economy by the election. I carried it forward into a more sinister implication of a, uh, of a coordinated effort between the American progressive left and the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. Uh, now, that would, that's a conspiracy that certainly can't be documented, and uh, n neither of those parties are going to come forward and say that there's any truth to that. But if we look at who gains, pre bono, from the situation, Bob, there's no doubt that the Chinese would gain by a, a, a depressed American economy and the, uh, the American left would gain by being able to implement, uh, in their view, uh, a socialism in America. So mm -hmm. these two parties, China and the American left, are the two that would gain most. That doesn't prove that they... They coordinated this activity, but certainly it should be a uh, a, a suspicion that is investigated and researched. Absolutely. So, uh, I'm not making a claim to that extent. I'm just saying it is it is something that should be looked at, Bob. Absolutely. Andy Joppa, again, I'm going to post your uh, your column on my uh my uh, website, you can just go to, correct me if I'm wrong, you'll find a pull-down tab where you can take a look at Andy's column. I'll have that up in about an hour. Andy, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you soon, Bob. Thank you, Andy. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. He's endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of Cyber Warfare, Targeting America, Our Infrastructure, and Our Future. I've read the book, Scary Stuff. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you'll visit the website and find out more. By It's at thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture. There are so many great books. His latest, his seventh, which I've read, it is terrific, Cyber Warfare, Targeting America, Our Infrastructure in Our Future. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's always a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. Well, you've written a couple of columns for Newsmax, and I'll just refer our listeners to Newsmax.com. You can go to Larry's columns. He's written a couple the past week. It's On Point is the title of the column. And your latest is about our relationship with the U.N. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I, it was about the fact that uh, we should learn by now that we we can't put any confidence in the UN. They have they have an agenda. They're driven by interests that are not ours and uh, very globalists and and very much about you know one world government, which I think they want to very dramatically influence and and uh, these aren't just my words. You know, these are you know these are in their own scores of top UN officials, particularly, we, you know, we've seen it most recently with the World Health Organization and their misinformation. Most most uh, troubling with that, perhaps, is the fact that they were really dominated and, and uh, really controlled by China. Uh, and that's uh, with Tedros, the head of WHO, is in very close affiliation with, of course, with you know, the Communist Party. Party and 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 um, in, in 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 China and elsewhere and uh, and and then you have you know and then you have the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which has been um, just you know just going crazy with this global warming nonsense, which they which they've been perpetrating. And they're supposed to you know the their Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is supposed to be the the great authoritative voice on, on climate. And mm-hmm. Just like with everything else, they've gotten it totally wrong. I and mean, the models are just, that, that have been produced uh, by and through them have just been wildly, hysterically off course. And uh, even they admit they can't you know, model, but you have to find that in the, in the fine print of their reports. Well, you but know- uh, based on that, we've got the Green New Deal and all this other craziness. 
No question. And, uh, you know, uh, General Tedros has a pretty, uh, pretty uh, ba- questionable background coming into his role as director general of the, of the World Health Organization. Uh, he's a confa- uh, an avowed socialist. He definitely wants a socialist agenda. And they've, they've perpetrated these models that have, I think, corrupted the thinking going into the coronavirus solution uh, here in the United States. Well, I think it was, I think what's particularly uh, disturbing is his cover-up of, of China's, uh, you know, lack of uh, forthrightness on this, you know, that first it was that, well, the virus won't spread, you know, person to person, and and that we don't have to, you know, they didn't have to restrict, uh, Trump didn't have to restrict travel when he, on Trump actually uh, disputed his claim that it was not transmitted person to person, and, and and Trump shut down the you know, travel to China. And Taylor said, "Well, it's essentially said, well, it's racist and so on." But it's just mm-hmm. every step along the line is is the cover up for China, the and basically claiming that you know praising China for its openness, which clearly has not been the case. China wouldn't hasn't allowed. Uh, U.S. experts to to visit Wuhan, much less visit their you know the facility that's very much in question. So, Wuhan uh, has been a disaster for the you know for the United States. Yeah, um, I, I personally I think the the president made a great decision withholding funding for now. He hasn't said that he's going to uh, withdraw funding totally, but I think it was a great decision. Uh, certainly questionable and, and, and enraging a lot of people around the world, but I think it's a, a great decision. Uh, I want to ask you also, but before I let you go, I want to talk about this column that you wrote, We Can't Allow Distancing from Our Sovereign Rights. This is so important. Maybe you can make some comments about that. Yeah, you know, it's we, you know, we as a country, you know, it's been remarkable, I think, and in very in a very good way that how much people have, you know, out of out of intelligence and self-interest as well as concern for others, have, you know, gone through a tremendous hardship on, on this virus thing. And particularly for those who, who don't have a paycheck, you know, and those who, businesses that have, you know, that have been taking years and years to build and, and, the, and the, you know, on the verge of collapse because of, you know, the, the shutdowns and so on. Um, and that's been largely in reaction to tremendous uncertainty about, you know, is this virus, is it going to, you know, die out in the summer? Is it, you know, is there going to be a vaccine? Is there a treatment? How many, what is the real death ratio to, to cases contracted? In other words, how deadly is it? So on. Uh, I think, uh, and, and, and so it's at a point now where, there's more information. Some areas are are clearly not as as impacted as others for many reasons, and uh, people are beginning to protest. You know, and they're saying, "Well, we, you know, some governors and, and city officials are taking, uh, you know, draconian hard lines that they disagree with." Here in Houston, mm-hmm. a judge said, "You know, if if you if you're not wearing a mask outside, you'd be paid, you know." find a thousand dollars and and the police and the police people said no we're not going to enforce this this is this is insanity and so so you have people now who are getting restless and and it's the issue of the right to assemble the right to protest and, and bring grievance and 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 i think a lot of people are concerned that when we come out of this 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 uh disaster we're in have we have we moved the you know have we moved the mark in terms of our acceptance of of uh, you know um, how how our how our civil rights are changing right and that's always the that's always the concern is we do things we do it we do them intelligently we do them with cooperation but then there's a paradigm shift and that becomes the new normal that that well the constitution is subject to you know to 
to, to weather reports or something else, and, and we can't have that happen. Uh, well, in fact, in your previous book, you used the analogy of the, of the frog in, in water that slowly turned up in temperature, and the frog doesn't jump out as opposed to it will jump out into boiling water. What's happening is, again, we're seeing the dial moved slowly but surely on our civil rights, and we need to be, and I think most Americans are extremely aware of this and are upset about it. I shouldn't say most, but many, many Americans are very concerned about this. Hopefully, uh, we'll get the message across and preserve our civil rights. Well, there's an awareness of this, and of course, it, it is happening at a time when there's this expansion of facial recognition and tracking, and, and there's excuses. Well, we have to track those that are, you know, that are you know, COVID positive and so on, and there's all these reasons that we do these things. But, you know, as I mentioned in some of my other books, you know, the same organizations that are developing those systems for and working in collaboration with China are implementing them here. You know, and, and yes, that's concerning, uh, particularly since these, you know, Silicon Valley's become a very globalist uh, interest and they can, they really control global information. So, yeah, globalism has uh, a certain infectious, and I use the word kind of uh, loosely here, and also rather literally, effect on, on, on everything. And, and uh, you know, what happens in China doesn't stay in China, et cetera, uh, whether it's cyber warfare or whether it's viral warfare, it's, you know, it's absolutely uh, globalism the case. has a downside. Absolutely, Professor. I wish we had more time to talk about this on the show. We've got to move along, but I just genuinely appreciate your commentary. Again, check out Newsmax.com on point column by Professor Larry Bell. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always fun. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your feedback. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. We got great guests tomorrow's show, and I hope you'll join us then as well. Make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.